This is Radio Romania International. You are listening to our one-hour broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa. We can also be heard on the Internet at www.rri.ro channel 1. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and other social media platforms. Our programs are also available on TuneIn and via satellite Eurosat 16A on 11512 MHz vertical polarization, azimuth 16 degrees east, symbol rate 29950 mega symbols per second, standard DVB-S2, modulation 8PSK, audio PID 510. We wish you good reception conditions. Hello, this is Daniel Bills with the news, the headlines. A third edition of the Startup Nation program is due to kick off on Tuesday, including for the Romanians in the diaspora. Romania has extended the census of its population for another week until July the 24th, and Europe is being affected by a powerful heatwave. A third edition of the Startup Nation program, which is aimed at developing entrepreneurial abilities among the young people and facilitating their access to financing, is to be launched on July the 19th. Candidates must submit their applications until September the 1st, and the budget is expected to be around 440 million euros. Grants of up to €20,000 will be made available for the creation of new jobs and this edition comes with a first, grants available for the Romanians abroad. The future beneficiaries will have to cover 5% of the eligible expenses plus all the non-eligible expenses in the project. The scheme will be valid until December 2027 and pays will be done by December the 31st, 2028. The census of population and houses in Romania has been extended with another week until July the 24th in order to reach a degree close to 100%. At present, the national rate stays around 83%. Romanians can wait for a reviewer or can go to the special points operated by district halls, which have lately been visited by a large number of people, the head of the National Institute for Statistics, Tudorel Andrei, has announced. People unwilling to comply will be subjected to fines up to 600 euros. The heat wave that continues to intensify in southern Europe has caused large bushfires on the Croatian coast and in Crete. Wildfires have also been affecting Spain and firefighters have been deployed to Extremadura, the west of the country. 3,000 people have been evacuated from the southern region of Malaga. Emergency services are fighting the fires affecting the French region of Gironde. Temperatures are on the rise and wildfires have destroyed several forest areas in Morocco and are presently threatening residential areas in southwestern Turkey. The Ministry of Agriculture in Romania has earmarked 1.5 billion euros 
for streamlining the country's infrastructure of irrigations and drainage. The funds are to be made available until the year 2027. The ministry has launched the project for public debates as it is aimed at adjusting the agriculture to the latest climate changes and curbing their effects over farm production and the environment. Under the law, the number of new irrigation networks is to increase from 89 to 150. The surface covered by the new irrigation network is also expected to increase from 1.8 million to 2.6 million hectares. A large cargo plane AN-12 crashed in northern Greece on Saturday night, killing all eight crew on board, the Greek public television has announced. According to the same sources, the plane was being operated by a Ukrainian air company. Citizens in the area have been advised to keep windows closed and refrain from using air conditioning as the plane was carrying 12 tons of toxic military products. The plane took off from the Serbian city of Nice and was bound for Amman in Jordan. Witness reports suggested the Antonov AN-12 plane caught fire while still in the air. And now to end the news bulletin, here is a reminder of the main stories. A third edition of the Startup Nation programme is due to kick off on Tuesday, including for the Romanians in the diaspora. Romania has extended the census of its population and households for another week, until July the 24th to be precise. And Europe is being affected by a powerful heatwave. This is Radio Romania International Broadcasting from Bucharest. Sunday Show Welcome to Sunday Show, our weekly pickup feature where content meets entertainment and where you're yet again invited to listen to some of our thought-provoking and relaxing features and items in our programs. Your host this week is Eugen Nasta.
Radio Romania International Encyclopedia late last week. Your host this week, Eugen Nasta, brought to you a feature on the Universal Building, which bridges the gap between World War Romania and its thriving cultural activity and the newspaper industry of the time. The link between the most widely read Romanian daily before World War One and in the interwar years and the staple Greater Romania architectural style is provided by the Universal Palace, the headquarters of the newspaper's office bearing the same name. The Universal Daily was inaugurated on August the 20th, 1884. Its founder was the Italian Luigi Cazzavillan. Universal became the most widespread Romanian newspaper until its printing was discontinued by the communist regime in the early 1950s. In time, Universal's wide range of supplements increased the paper's numbers of copies sold, turning Universal into the core of a true journalistic empire. A former volunteer in Garibaldi's army, Casavilan settled in Bucharest. He taught Italian, being also the representative of the Bianchi Bicycle Factory. These days, Casavilan has precisely been paid tribute to, thanks to his essential contribution to the development of Romanian popular journalism, through widely accessible publications, which popularized, without however vulgarizing, cultural and scientific pieces of information. Unfortunately, Casavilan died an untimely death at the age of 52 in early 1904. As for Universal, around the outbreak of the First World War, it was no longer in print. Its editing was later resumed under the management of various owners of whom the most famous and longest living was journalist Stelian Popescu. For the most part of the interwar era until 1943, Stelian Popescu was at the helm of Universal. Also, Stelian Popescu transferred to the content of the newspaper his own right-of-center political leanings. Universal did not maintain its political neutrality, yet it still was the most widespread newspaper of his time. Also, Universal managed to survive for a little while during the communist regime until 1953. And it is also during Stelian Popescu's management that the interwar headquarters of the editorial office date from. We're speaking about the Universal Palace. Erected following the project of the great architect Paul Smarandescu, the building is tall and imposing. It is a mix of the neo-Romanian style so very conspicuous in the country's architecture after the Great Union of 1918 and the modernist style. Juana Marinake is an art historian. She will now be speaking about Paul Smarandescu, a prolific architect born on June the 16th, 1881. His roots are in one of Bucharest's historical areas, which has remained almost unspoiled to this day. He was born in the Mantulasa neighborhood. The young man was born into a well-to-do family. On his mother's, but also on his father's side, he hailed from a family of merchants from across the Danube, a province which at that time was part of the Ottoman Empire. We're speaking about the Solakolo family. So the young Paul Smarandescu, together with his junior sisters, was born into a family which was part of the thriving bourgeoisie. In late 19th century, he attended the Montulasa Boys' Primary School lying nearby. 
Then he furthered his education with the Matei Basarab High School and in late 19th century, he sat for the entrance exam with our School of Architecture, which had been founded already. So he went domestic for his junior student years. Later, enjoying the support of his family, he went to the Universal Exhibition in Paris in 1900, where he made contact with the pavilions in the elite of world architecture. And then a U-turn occurred in his career path, a complete change that is. He would of course prepare to sit in for the architectural school entrance exam in France, where his trail was much faster. He earned his French diploma and returned to the country in 1906. And in 1907, he was already on the job, being employed in Bucharest. Upon his return to the country, Paul Smarandescu gradually became one of the promoters of the neo-Romanian style, which he nonetheless improved significantly with modernist contributions. Located nearby the University of Bucharest and the Victoria Boulevard, in the vicinity of the headquarters of other leading publications of that time, the Universal Palace was home to the editorial office. Yet apart from that, it was also home to the printing press, the management's offices and the accounting department. In 1948 it was nationalized, yet it retained its status of headquarters for editorial offices. Over 2015 and 2016, the building went through a thorough refurbishment process. However, the shape that was initially designed by Paul Smarandescu was, for its most part, preserved. Cultural event, later last week, brought to you an item by Kalin Kotsoyu focusing on the latest animation film production in Romania. Today we are reviewing one of the most recent Romanian animation films, whose title can be loosely translated as It Works Anyway, directed by Valentin Urzicianu. According to its creator, quote, The movie talks about adventure, resilience, community, and in the end, about the ambition of a young man, unquote. The movie tells the story of Gianni, a Roma boy who dreams of becoming a great guitarist, inspired by his role model Django Reinhardt the jazz star who created the jazz manouche style. While Europe is torn apart by World War II, he travels from Bucharest to Paris on foot, and while on his way, he gets a chance to listen to traditional music of various European nations, which he distills into his own music style. The film swings between Gianni's story and the drama of the creative team facing real-time challenges. Here is Valentin Urziceanu. The idea came to us a few years ago, when we took part in a cultural project to promote European diversity through music, namely jazz, done through animation. You are listening to Radio Romania International. The story is centered on these two characters. Gianni, a Roma boy who starts off from Bucharest, and Django Reinhardt, a grand musician of Roma ethnicity. For whomever doesn't know, Django Reinhardt is the creator of Jazz Manouche, or Gypsy Jazz, who managed to continue his career after losing two fingers on one hand as a result of a terrible accident. More than that, after the accident, he developed a new technique for playing the guitar, 
and managed to bring jazz manouche to the entire world. Being inspired by the life of Django Reinhardt, our hero manages to overcome his condition and become famous. I chose to make this animated film because I discovered it is a genre that allows me to spread my wings. I realized that I could tell some of the stories that I have lived through during my lifetime through animation and convey some of the things I learned in a pleasant, amusing and less pretentious way. This feature-length movie intends to start a dialogue about diversity, acceptance and the convergence of a number of cultures and nationalities on the territory of Europe. It works anyway. The movie distributed by Mokra Productions blends animation and live action and two plans of action. The story of Johnny and the story of the team behind his animation film. We asked Valentin Urzicanu, writer and director of the movie, about this aspect of the film. Honestly, it was a lot of fun to make this movie. We recalled all the problems we had trying to make it, and we, the team, had a very good time telling the story. This is not a making of film. It is a telling of what happened through film. Of course, we played down some issues and tried to overcome them through humor. But we hope people like this part of the film, where the team gets together to discuss the issues they were facing. Romanian Without Tears continues its presentation, series of Bucharest's still standing and still fascinating historical heritage buildings. The latest item was brought to you by Eugen Nasta. The summer season has gained its momentum in Romania for a couple of weeks now. The resorts on the Romanian Black Sea coast are already teeming with tourists who enjoy the recently enlarged beaches and the Black Sea's warm water. No less sought after are the spa treatment options available in most resorts or the sapropelic mud wrappings in Tekirjol. However, a holiday on the Romanian Black Sea coast does not only mean beach and swimming. A trip to the Constanza municipal city, for instance, can cater for your needs of doing cultural or historical tourism. Constanza is Romania's oldest city in terms of documentary evidence. As expected, it is also the most visited city during the summer season. Here you can find archaeological vestiges, which can be placed among the world's one-of-a-kind items, but also iconic buildings, highly representative for the Romanian and the international heritage. Among them, the Karol I Royal Mosque, also known as the Great Mosque of Constanza, or the King's Mosque. Here is Imam Ali Selcin to welcome you and to give you details on that. King Carol I of Romania built the mosque between 1910 and 1913. It was a self-funded undertaking, built as a tribute to the Muslim community in Romania. It is open for the five daily prayers, as well as for tourists. As regards the ethnic cohabitation in Dobroja, His Excellency, the Mufti of the Muslim Persuasion in Romania, Yusuf Murat, has stated it is an example set for the entire Europe. The mosque as such has several very special characteristics. It was for the first time during its construction over 1910 and 1913 when ferro-concrete was used for a building in Romania. The mosque has impressive dimensions, therefore the carpet of the mosque cannot be stretched and admired in the fullness of its beauty. 
the visitors of the mosque can see it only partially stretched, as much as the floor's surface area allows, part of it being kept rolled. Then the minaret is also built of ferro-concrete and is 47 metres tall. Here is Imam Ali Selchin once again. In token of respect, no other mosque in Romania is allowed to have a minaret taller than this one. In the mosque, the carpet also stands out. It is 200 years old, 14 metres long, 9 metres wide, weighing 490 kilograms, almost half a ton. It is the carpet offered by the last Ottoman Sultan, Abdul Hamid, for the bigger mosque in Adakale. The only thing we could rescue when the island sank was this carpet, a one-of-a-kind item in Europe. It was entirely handmade for 20 years in Turkey's Hereke, a town which was renowned for its carpets. Then, just as the Voronets blue cannot be reproduced, so are the mosque's blue grit stones and tiles. They are unique and were manufactured in Iznik. The Imam Ali Selchin also said the mosque was Romania's greatest such building. Also, the Imam said, the mosque unites all people under the same roof. Well, folks, the invitation has been extended to all of you. Until next time, when we're waiting for you with a new tourist destination, have a safe journey and a fine weather wherever you may travel. Romanian Without Tears continues its presentation series of Bucharest's still standing and still fascinating historical heritage buildings. The host of your latest item in Romanian Without Tears was again your host this week, Eugen Nasta. Today we continue our rewarding, I hope, journey through historical Bucharest, whose listed buildings heritage dating from the mid-19th century all through to the mid-20th century is still rich. Too bad quite a few of such buildings are still derelict. As usual, we begin with a series of useful words and phrases. Tinerima Romana, Romanian youth. Construi, build. Proiecta, design. Finaliza, complete. Historic, historian. Now, let us use some of the words and phrases above in communicative patterns. Palatul societății tinerimea română a fost construit între anii 1924-1927. The Romanian Youth Society Palace was built between 1924 and 1927. The building was designed by Virginia Andreescu Haret, the world's first woman architect. Din motive financiare, clădirea a fost finalizată abia în 1935. For financial reasons, it was not until 1937 when the building was completed. Marele istoric român, Nicolae Iorga, a inaugurat clădirea. The great Romanian historian Nicolae Iorga inaugurated the building. That's all we had time for in this week's Romanian Without Tears. Thank you all for the interest you take in Romanian culture and for being so keen on learning Romanian with us. A yummy traditional cinnamon dish was brought to you by Mihaela Ignatescu in our traditional cooking show series. Today we will learn how to make plum jam and also a plum dessert.
I will start with the recipe for a delicately cinnamon-spiced jam, which is a great way to preserve the taste of autumn fruits and then enjoy served on hot butter toast or tea cakes. For this recipe you will need 2 kilograms of plums, stoned and roughly chopped, 2 kilograms of white granulated sugar, 2 teaspoons of ground cinnamon, 1 tablespoon of lemon juice and a knob of butter. First of all, sterilize the jars and any other equipment before you start. Put a couple of saucers in the freezer as you'll need these for testing whether the jam is ready later. Put the plums in a preserving pan and add 200 milliliters of water. Bring to a simmer and cook for about 10 minutes until the plums are tender but not falling apart. Add the sugar, ground cinnamon and lemon juice. Then let the sugar dissolve slowly without boiling. This will take about 10 minutes. Increase the heat and bring the jam to a full rolling boil. After about 5 minutes, spoon a little jam onto a cold saucer. Wait a few seconds, then push the jam with your fingertip. If it wrinkles, the jam is ready. If not, cook for a few minutes more and test again with another cold saucer. Take the jam off the heat and add the knob of butter. If you want, you can also add some cinnamon sticks. The cinnamon will look pretty in the jars and the butter will disperse any scum. Let the jam cool for 15 minutes, which will prevent the lumps of fruit sinking to the bottom of the jars. Ladle into hot jars, seal and leave to cool. Will keep for one year in a cool, dark place. Chill once opened. But if you want to use fresh plums for desserts, one of the most popular in Eastern Europe, Romania included, is plum dumplings, made with fresh ripe plums coated in a mashed potato dough and tossed into seasoned cinnamon breadcrumbs. So here is one of the best recipes that you can try and which we guarantee will be enjoyed by the entire family. For this you will need 1 kilogram of plums, 1 kilogram of potatoes, approximately 350 grams of flour, two eggs, 50 grams of butter, breadcrumbs, sugar, approximately 250 grams, more or less, cinnamon and a pinch of salt. Start by cutting the plums lengthwise, but not all the way through, just enough to be able to pit them. Add the sugar and cinnamon, toss well and set aside. In a pan, melt the butter, add the breadcrumbs and stir well for two or three minutes. Then add the sugar and cinnamon and stir again for a further two or three minutes. Boil the potatoes, then allow them to cool and mash them well. Add the eggs and flour and knead into a smooth but sticky dough. Make sure you don't add too much flour even if the dough is sticky, otherwise the dumplings will be quite tough. Take about one or two spoonfuls of dough, flatten it, add one plum in the middle and wrap the dough around it. Then repeat with the remaining plums. Bring a pan of salted water to the boil and add the dumplings to it, working in batches. Once the dumplings float to the surface, they are ready. Toss them into breadcrumbs while they are still hot, then allow them to cool down before serving. It's not a very complicated recipe. The only worry is getting the dough to be the right consistency before boiling the dumplings, so that the dumplings are sweet and juicy on the inside and tender on the outside. Enjoy! My colleague Vlad Palku brought to you the hit of the day. It was Alexandra Ungureanu with her latest release, I Want to Forget You.
Folks, that was pretty much it in this week's Sunday show. From Eugen Nasla in Bucharest, for Radio Romania International, it's goodbye and all the best for you all. Living Romania You are listening to Radio Romania International. Hello, dear friends, and welcome to a fresh edition of our jazz music program with me, Daniel Bilz, at the microphone. Mihai Michael Kretsu is a reputed jazz musician from Romania who on June the 27th celebrates his 62nd anniversary. He lives in Manchester, Britain, but he comes to Romania very often to participate in major jazz events. Here he is now with one of his many compositions entitled Road to Damascus.
Mihai Michael Kretsu was born on June the 27th, 1960, in the family of the great Romanian jazz instrumentalist Johnny Raducanu. He started taking piano lessons at a very early age and got his first piano composition at the age of only 16, which he entrusted to his father. He also studied double bass at Dinuli Party Music High School in Bucharest. We now invite you to listen to him with the second part of Homeland for Violin and Double Bass, performing are Jisun Young and Michael Kretsu, who is playing the double bass. Michael Kretsu went on numerous tours abroad to France, the Netherlands, Spain, Brazil, South America, etc. In 2011, when he learned that his beloved uncle Johnny Raducanu had passed away, he composed to his memory a superb song entitled Johnny, which we invite you to listen to in the following minutes.
Focus on Romania. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Coming up next on Radio Romania International. In the Spotlight. Hello, dear friends, and welcome to a new edition of our weekly feature in the spotlight with me, Daniel Bills, at the microphone. Today, we invite you to a book launch. Stay tuned. In late June, the Diplomatic Club in downtown Bucharest hosted an interesting event. The launch of the Romanian translation of two books written by the Secretary General of the Arab League, His Excellency, Ahmed Abul Gait, suggestively entitled Egypt's Foreign Policy in Times of Crisis, My Testimony, and Witness to War and Peace, Egypt, the October War and Beyond, the books have been written by an Egyptian diplomat who has been in the service of his country for 46 years. Let's now listen to the author himself telling the story of the two books. We have the speech His Excellency delivered during the book launch by courtesy of the Arab section of Radio Romania International. The story of, of the two books, actually there is an Arab, Arabic version and today we have the Romanian version. I will tell you the story of both the Arabic version and the Romanian version. In between, it has been translated into English, Spanish, Serbian, and Chinese, and Russian. The Arabic version was triggered when there was a kind of a kind of an upheaval in Egypt in 2011. I was foreign minister then. So through upheavals, states and countries pass through difficult times. Because of this, the title of the book is Egypt's Foreign Policy and Times of Crisis. I left the foreign service. I was Egyptian foreign minister for seven years. I was an Egyptian diplomat for 39 years. So altogether, it was 46 years serving the Egyptian state. When I left, 
as I say, it was a turmoil. And through turmoils, you have to put and to lay down the facts to everybody, to, for people to understand. There has been lots of discussions and talks and many, many issues that were raised during these times, difficult times. So I decided to write the two books. In 1972, Ahmad Abul Gaid, who at that time served with the national security advisor of his country, came to Romania as part of the Egypt delegation, which was trying to reach an agreement with Israel. I claim I was lucky. Why I was lucky? Because in 72, I was a young man of 30 years old, in 72, I was serving with the Egyptian National Security Advisor in his office as one of his aides. So he was responsible for finding a settlement between Egypt and Israel and trying to reach some understanding with the Israelis whereby they would withdraw from Sinai and Egypt would render a certain recognition to Israel. So I came to Romania, and I write in the book. And I went with him to the Black Sea to see the president then. We tried our best to convince the Israelis to accept uh, the Egyptian point of view. And the Romanian link was very crucial at the time because Romania was using its good offices to help both parties, Israel and Egypt, to reach a kind of understanding. That failed. With the failure, Egypt went to the United Nations to reach a certain decision on the part of the Security Council where the Americans blocked it. So there was remaining one resort. Egypt resorted to. So the idea of the first book, Witness to War and Peace, emanated from that point. And I started at the time in 72, 73, writing everything I read, everything I witness, everything I, I even had an idea of, I was registering it. The two aforementioned books were published in crucial times when the Muslim Brotherhood was ruling Egypt. But according to the author, the truth had to be stated. So when the time came to write about my experience in this regard, I wrote the first book. Then comes the second book. With the upheaval in Egypt, there has been lots and lots of claims and counterclaims. So I wanted to put the facts. I laid down the facts as I saw them, and as I, I understood them in a second book, the, my testimony, Egyptian foreign policy in times of crisis. So two books were published within the span of 11 months. They came to be bestsellers in Arabic. One as a young Egyptian diplomat witnessing events and trying to contribute to such events while he is 
still junior, and another as foreign minister of uh, a very uh, influential and important country in the Middle East, Egypt. That is the story of the two books as published in uh, 2012. They were published in crucial times when Muslim brothers were ruling Egypt. And in one of the books, it is very critical. I'm very critical of the Muslim brothers at the time, narrating what had happened with the Americans, with the Egyptians, with the Europeans in relation to the Muslim brothers. I recall my late mother in 2012 telling me, are you to publish such a book while they are ruling Egypt? You will be put to, to the jail immediately. But truth has to, to be stated. I put the two books and they were there. Nothing happened, thank God. During the speech he delivered at the launch ceremony, the Secretary General of the Arab League, His Excellency Ahmed Abul Gaid, also referred to the Romanian translation of his books. Then comes the Romanian uh, experience. There was an Egyptian ambassador here by the name of Salah Abdel Sadiq or Sadiq. He calls uh, Hossam Zaki, my chief of cabinet, uh, an important Egyptian diplomat, a very influential Egyptian diplomat, actually. So he tells him, uh, Hossam, I have a very influential Romanian intellectual who is very much interested in Arab culture, in Arab issues, in Arab books, in Arab translations. And he says that the two books are really fascinating to the point that he wants to translate them. I wouldn't mind, it is the Egyptian publisher who has to, to agree. Would you please invite him, Salah? So, Luciano comes to Cairo, meets me in my office, then comes to my apartment and I tell him, at your disposal, anything. And he was so full of enthusiasm towards uh, translating the two books. And that's all from our weekly feature in the spotlight. Focus on Romania. Coming up next on Radio Romania International. Simply Folk. Welcome to Simply Folk with me, Eugen Nasta. Traditional music legend Marika Pitu passed away in 2020. She is a prominent representative of the Aromanian traditional music, the heritage of a Romanian ethnic group predominantly living in the southeastern region of Dobroja. You are now invited to listen to a very popular song from Marika Pitu's repertoire.
our broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa has come to an end. You can listen to our next program for Western Europe at 1700 hours UTC on 9760 kHz in the DRM system and on 11850 kHz in analog system. Listeners in Africa can receive our programs tomorrow at 1100 hours UTC on 15320 and 17670 kHz. We can also be heard on the internet at www.ri.ro. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write an email at engl.ri.ro. Goodbye.